Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Roy Vanderwater. I'm Derek Neighbors. And I'm Clayton Langelzigich. So today, guys, we wanted to talk about uh, how technical does your Scrum Master need to be? Define technical. So let's say that you've got your average software team. Um, at what level of kind of technical detail do you think it's good for the Scrum Master to be aware of? And maybe what's too much? You know, if you had someone that used to be a developer on the team and then they got promoted to Scrum Master, theoretically they're going to have about the same level of technical knowledge. They should know how to turn on the computer and know how to use Rally. <laughs> Just wanted to set computer Derek optional. off. The, the, the second one is optional. <laughs> um, okay, so you're talking so, software or hardware technical, so here, I'll give not, you, I'll give you not an example. Scrum technical. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Let's say that I'm a Scrum Master on a team and the team is planning and they're going through some implementation they're talking about it and i get the impression that they're going off the deep end and they're just going in circles but i don't know enough about technical stuff to be able to tell if that's true or not so i just keep my mouth shut i like i think i've heard derek say this before where if you can't as a scrum master as a non-technical scrum master if you can't understand what's going on during like a planning meeting for example or even worse during a story workshop then it's probably too implementation level for that type of ceremony and it's something that should be talked about during pairing I, I guess for me, the way that I would look at it is that the Scrum Master should understand the work that needs to be done. They should not care how that work is done. I think that if you're talking about a self-organizing team, I think the Scrum Master needs to understand what the product owner wants so that they can help you know, facilitate the team to get there. But I don't think they have to know anything about how the team is actually going. So in some ways, I think that actually cripples a Scrum Master because they get way too lost in the technical details instead of just looking at the um, uh, the um, signals, right? So if I'm an EMT, I don't need to know how to do heart surgery, but I should be able to read an EKG reading, right? So mm-hmm. I think the same thing. A Scrum Master should be able to, to take technical readings of what the data is telling them and burn downs and other things and stand-ups and ceremonies and be able to say, like, ooh, I'm worried, but they shouldn't care about the actual technical details. But in this particular case, you, you were talking about, like, a, a like some kind of ceremony. I can't remember if you said planning. Or I said planning, yeah. So a planning, cer- planning session where they're getting into details of the Scrum Master can't understand. And I guess my attitude is, like, as a non-technical Scrum Master, if you can't understand it, then it's probably too technical to be discussed during planning, and it's not a matter of the Scrum Master not having enough technical knowledge. Yeah, right. So I'm getting the impression that if I, as the Scrum Master, rather than focusing on learning more about the technical stuff so that I could understand the problem better, which would be like the EMT learning more about heart surgery, Mm -hmm. I should really focus on my facilitation skills maybe and pick up on you know being able to pick up on those cues and triggers right uh, better right. read the ekg right, right. I, I would say why do why do you care how technical somebody is in a planning meeting if people need to get very very technical in a planning meeting why should that be a problem usually the reason it's a problem is because they're taking forever planning because they're getting away too much detail so right. if if i know that like hey we've got x amount of work to plan right or we're you know we're going through planning and people are taking forever to get kind of something done, I could say, man, it feels like we're getting a lot of detail. We're taking an awful lot of time discussing implementation. Maybe we need to step it up a lot. I don't have to know anything about what that implementation mm-hmm. is. I just have to facilitate like, hey, the energy in the room is completely dropping. There's something wrong. Can we change it? That's true. And, and you're right, because I've seen, I've seen people that have absolutely no technical background be able to still spot, still be able to tell like, hey, guys, isn't this a little too like in the, dump, in the, in the details? 
Right. I mean, I think having a technical background can help, but I think more often than not, it tends to hurt more than help because mm-hmm. you try to use that technical knowledge it's, to yeah. help yeah, the team. It's, it's hard to be impartial when you have knowledge. Yeah, you're your own worst enemy at that point. So uh, let's talk about uh, workspace design, workspace layout. Um, how how does the workspace that you're in affect uh, the the team itself or the, and the work that you're doing? I I personally feel like there's two very important pieces to a good team environment from workspace perspective, which is the ability to communicate freely between the team members directly, so being able to see each other, and then also having the freedom to communicate loudly without bothering the people around you, if that makes sense. So I can see Clayton and talk to him directly if he's on my team, but me talking to Clayton will not bother Derek, who is on another team or working by himself. That, to me, shows is a good workspace. I did an exercise with, I guess, probably about 40 people or so, and I had them draw their ideal workspace. And they all pretty much were the same where they had a team area, which describes kind of what Roy's getting to, where people could pretty much look at each other and talk to each other very freely and openly. There was always a space for some kind of quiet thing, like you could get away from the team if you wanted to. Um, And there was some fun aspect where that would be like, you know, you do work over here, but then over here is where you have fun. Um, And there were some other kind of things sprinkled in, but those are the main themes. Um, I think almost all of them were framed... Um, and the concept of like a bullpen, which I think was more just that's what the people who did the exercise were familiar with. So they didn't really, they hadn't experienced something like a gangplank, which had a very open floor plan that mm-hmm. was very kind of like sprawling. Um, and so that's kind of their mindset. They were in that box. Um, but I like the idea of having the free and open communication with the team members and kind of having that open space that's you can feel safe talking in. So I think, um, I don't know, probably circa 2006, 2007. Uh, Mike Cohn made a really great blog post called The Ideal Agile Workspace, and it had like nine or ten qualities, and I believe uh, Integrum made a counter video to that um, that added two or three additional ones as well as showed some visual parts of the workspace. I think all of those things are still absolutely relevant today. I think you guys hit on two of them, one which was every person on the team should be able to see the other person on the team, which I think, it whether it's a bullpen, whether it's a wide open space, it's that you should be within visual contact of everybody else on your team. Another one was that there's a place to have kind of quiet meetings or, or whatnot. There's, I think there's some about kind of visual pieces, you know, that the, the work is visualized somewhere within the space. So there's a, a number of things. I think those are all really great points. I think the thing that I, is really difficult when, you know, I see a lot of teams struggle or organizations struggle is they say, okay, we're willing to make the commitment to go to some more kind of open style, but they have this whole inventory of this really crappy cubicle furniture and so there's this sunk like cost. like sunk cost of like how do we get rid of this and like this disbelief that you could go to like really lightweight kind of six foot tables that are kind of upper end ikea type of tables and put them on wheels and make them very like that is so foreign to facilities like well but then how do you deal with power and how do you deal with ethernet and how do you i mean like it it, it just cascades this panic within the organization of Impossible. Probably just like their software. Yes. Right. Well, right. So, so I mean, I, th- I think this is something we talked about with Arlo in Portland at uh, Agile Open Northwest, right? 
there, there's cultural debt in the same way that there's technical debt. So when you build up these giant facilities department who has, you know, 300 change orders you have to fill out to get an Ethernet moved in a day where 90% of people connect through wireless anyways, it's like, well, you can't move your physical location from one cube to another. That's an act of God. Well, imagine if you say, like, we're just going to get rid of all the cubes. Like, that is full-on pandemonium, like... Whoa, 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 whoa. Like how will, how will we track our assets if there's not cubes that they belong to? Mm-hmm. Because currently we use a cube ID to track everything that happens. Yeah, and and from like perspective too, like uh, like a management, like how do I know if Clayton is even working? If he could be sitting and working from anywhere, like I got to be able to stop by his cube at several points in during the day and make sure he actually shows up. So let's go down a tangent here on this one. All right. Uh, so Marissa Meyer just announced at Yahoo that. Uh, there is no longer a remote work policy. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? So, uh, you know, as of June, Yahoo employees either need to move to be physically near the, their headquarters or, um, you know, they, they no longer have work from home privileges. Hmm. What do you guys think about that? Well, I mean, I think if we go by those principles of what is a quality agile workspace, one of the things is you should be able to see all of the people mm. on your team. But I have Skype and I have now, uh, now, now GChat. That, now, that said, I think you can do close facsimiles of or proxies thereof of those things. Like, can you compete with people who use the real thing? The, the problem is that it's really difficult, right? Like, if everybody is virtual... I think you stand a better chance than if only a few people are virtual. Because if you have the choice between interacting with the real thing and a virtual thing, you will probably choose the real thing more often than not. And so those people kind of become ostracized as the virtual people. Sure. If you've ever been on a phone call with a conference call calling in and there's eight people in the room and two people on the phone, it's amazing how pretty much people will end the meeting without even like saying goodbye to the people on the phone because they're just not even right. part of it. We like, even observed this within Integrum when you were working from out of state, Jade. Yeah. Like the- oh, it was, it was very difficult to be part of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen a lot of reactions to this, uh, this announcement. And uh, the, the biggest thing I think of when I see uh, what people are writing is this really comes down to the type of work that you're doing. If you're doing very individualized work, it really doesn't matter where you work from, right? It doesn't matter mm-hmm. because your work is your work is your work, and you can do it wherever, whenever you want. Sure. Um, but what I see is people who who value having uh, team-based shared commitments, um, who are probably doing something that is more on the innovative, creative side than uh, repetitive tasks. You know, individually focused. Uh, they really struggle with being distributed. It's it's much more difficult for them to do. So I, I, I saw a counter to that at an article, and I, I don't know if I'll be able to find it again, but they said <coughs> if you're doing really rote, simple, like manufacturing type of tasks, then yeah, everybody should be together. But if you're doing really complex work, you should be um, spread out all over the place because it requires really specialized people, and um, you can't find the best specialized people all in the same location. So if you're going to do a really complex thing, you're going to have to get the best expert in the world, and they might be in Russia, and the best expert in the world on this other thing is in Brazil, and the other person is in San Francisco. So it's impossible to build teams that solve complex problems that are co-located because you can't get the best people. I don't think I agree with that. Well, that's the, always the argument from, you see this a lot from programmers who talk about, you know, oh, this company wants to hire this awesome, yeah, exactly, 10 times programmer, people who think they are. The, you know, oh, this company wants to hire these people that have this awesome resume, but they only want people to work in Nebraska. Well, that's bullshit because, you know, I'm so awesome, but I want to live wherever I want to live. 
like personally, I don't want to work on a team with a whole bunch of awesome people that are all over the place. Like, give me the average people that can be a team. Like, I'd rather work in a team environment. Yeah, if people think they're so awesome that they should be allowed to work from home, are probably not a well, good culture. Again, it goes back to if if I'm doing something that is highly specialized, individualized, then yeah, that that's probably a true statement. Right. I probably can't find those people around right. my local area. Well, I think, but how many people are really doing something that's that specialized? Well, I, I saw, I saw yeah. somewhere. I think that, a lot of people think they are. I, I, I saw somewhere <laughs> that, that somebody had some summarized. Well, I think what my kind of viewpoint on it, and that is that if you want to be the most efficient, probably work anywhere you want, yep. anytime you want, however you want, is the best place to go. Because if I work at the best at from two o'clock in the morning to six o'clock in the morning. If you want me to be the most efficient, you need to let me to work at that time. And if I work the best with headphones in the dark, in a basement, you should let me work that way if you want me to be the most efficient. I don't think I agree with it. But I won't necessarily be the most creative, and I won't necessarily have the best solution. So the counter-argument to that is if you want people to be the most collaborative, the most creative and solve the hardest problems they actually have to be co-located so you're suffering a little bit of efficiency gain at the individual level to have a better systems game possibly a lot of efficiency <coughs> yeah right? but I, I think i think that in terms of efficiency though like i think that's a lie too i think people lie to themselves when they talk about how efficient they were, are when they work from home cuz my like if i were to if i were to not be honest with myself i'd say like i could work from home over the weekend and you just you turn me down yeah you're getting right. really passionate <laughs> and loud <laughs> tell us how bad you are at working from home <laughs> But like I could, I could see myself like, hey, I'd work the entire weekend and I could work the entire time through. But then in reality, if I was really honest, I'd probably end up working maybe two or three hours out of that, if that, and it'd probably be distracted a few hours. So like reality doesn't quite correlate with what I think it's going to be like. Well, I think there's a lot of studies that show that people are more productive at home. But then I always wonder like, if you have a BS job where you're pushing paper around all day and you just do it from home too, like you're probably more productive because you don't get interrupted by your stupid middle manager who's a total that. waste of space too. So it's like this whole thing is a foundation of lies. You know, if you're doing like creative team-based work. I just don't buy it. Well, I mean, I see this all the time. I am way more effective when I work from home at doing the stuff that only I need to do. So if yeah. I, I can bust through my in- yes. email box, get my to-do list done, get all sorts of stuff, and I am way more effective at home doing that, even if I only work two hours opposed to six hours. Mm-hmm. But the problem is I am not effective at all because I am not able to leverage the thing that I do best, which is get people to work together to solve real problems. So yeah, like can I be more effective? Sure, at answering email. How effective, or can I be more efficient at answering email? Absolutely. Is that the most effective use of my time is answering email? Probably not. Right. Yeah, I think the, the trouble is you get distracted uh, doing those things at work with a whole bunch of other people that you don't even have time to focus on the creative stuff, right? We're not, we're not valuing those things in the work right. that we're doing. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Agile Weekly Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integrumtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integrumtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? 
Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.